Hello and welcome to the Anxiety to Confidence podcast. I'm Siobhan Booth and I am your host. This podcast is for anyone with an interest in mental health, overcoming anxiety and building confidence. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. Um, This week I'm talking about something a little bit different uh, because the last couple of days I have been taking part in the British Psychological Society online conference. Now, the reason I was at the BPS online conference is because the master's degree that I'm doing in psychology is accredited with the BPS. And I'm looking in the future to get more qualifications um, and become a, a psychologist as well as doing the work that I currently do with clients. So this um, conference was a really good opportunity for me to be exposed to psychology in a broader context than just therapy. Um, so what I'm going to talk about today is one of the particular talks which I found very inspiring um, and which was to do with anxiety and something that I think will help help people think about how they can help their anxiety for themselves. So there's going to be quite a few suggestions in here about things that you could actually do for yourself and things that may be particularly helpful for anxiety. Now, the talk itself was by a Professor Miranda Walpert, and she is the head of the Mental Health Priority Area as part of the Wellcome Trust. And her speech was entitled, A World in Which No One is Held Back by Mental Health Problems, and How the Wellcome Trust is Taking a Radical New Approach to Addressing Anxiety and Depression in Young People. So what they're doing is they're commissioning huge amounts of research into what could possibly help young people with anxiety and depression. Now, they're classifying young people as people aged between 14 and 24. But some of the suggestions that they're coming out with, I think, could be really, really beneficial for somebody of any age to have a think about how you might do other things to help your mental health. So one of the things that they're doing is exploring some really key ingredients. Um, They call them key ingredients as to different interventions that could make a difference. And they're talking about both preventing anxiety and depression and also treating anxiety and depression as well, Uh, which is why I think it could be beneficial for older people who already have anxiety, although their main focus obviously is to try and prevent anxiety in the first place. So they're exploring a whole range of different options for helping people not get anxiety in the first place and also different ways that they can intervene when it comes to anxiety and depression. So basically what I want to do is talk you through some of the different ideas that they have, which they intend to explore a bit further to maybe give you some ideas about how you can start making changes in your life in order to reduce your anxiety. Because one of the key things that we see as therapists is that everyone is quite different and everyone is quite unique. And a lot of different people have very different causes for their mental health issues. So really what I'm trying to do is give you a lot of information that you can go away and play with and explore and see if there's something in here that might just make you feel a little bit better. So I'm going to go through some of the active ingredients that the Wellcome Trust are looking into so that you can have a bit of a think about whether or not some of these things will actually help you out. Now we're talking about for preventing 
and intervening in depression and anxiety. So these are some of the things that they want to look into. Being able to better shift perspective. Now, if you've listened to any of my other podcasts um, or read any of my blogs or anything like that, you know that I come from a background of thoughts, feelings and actions. The way we think about things affecting the way that we feel. So this being able to shift perspective, I think is a really interesting one to explore and to consider if you are struggling with anxiety, because often by changing our perception of the situation, we can actually reduce a lot of the anxiety and depressive symptoms. Another thing that they are interested in looking into is having a better stress response using things like relaxation. Now, relaxation comes in many, many forms and when I talk to clients I'm always very clear that it's very important that you find the relaxation that is appropriate for you. Now I'm a hypnotherapist so hypnosis and self-hypnosis are my favourite tools. Uh, There is also mindfulness which is a fantastic tool that I often teach clients as well but these aren't the only options when it comes to relaxation. Relaxation can be things like reading a good book or playing a video game. It really doesn't matter what the relaxation is, as long as it's something that you find relaxing. Developing more helpful thinking patterns. Now again, this links really nicely to a lot of my other podcasts, where we talk about how to change thinking patterns, because negative thinking patterns lead on to more negative thinking patterns. And developing more positive thinking patterns instead is a really, really useful way of overcoming anxiety and depression. And actually, if you go onto my website, there are a couple of courses on there, one of them specifically designed to help you think more positively on a regular basis. Helpful use of mental imagery is another area that the Wellcome Trust feel is worth looking into. And again, because I'm a hypnotherapist, I have a very biased view of how to do a lot of these things. Um, But obviously, I use hypnosis as a mental imagery tool so that we can get people to imagine themselves in situations and imagine that situation going the best possible way it can. And this is something that you can do for yourself quite easily. Um, You can literally just close your eyes and imagine something useful. Because often what we find is that people with anxiety and depression, they actually engage in this mental imagery quite a lot, but they imagine things going wrong. And of course, that can sometimes be a self-fulfilling prophecy, which can make things a lot worse. So key thing is helpful use of mental imagery. So have a think about how you might be able to incorporate that into your everyday life if there's something that you find particularly scary. Improved management of emotions. This seems like a fairly obvious thing to explore. And for most of us who work as therapists, helping people manage their emotions is quite a key thing. Um, And particularly with anxiety, because it can, a lot of the feelings that you get can be very uh, emotive feelings. And a lot of the feelings are caused by really strong emotions. So things like the racing heart or the shakiness or all of the the range of panic type symptoms that we get. Being able to manage those can be really, really helpful. And being able to manage how we feel is also really, really helpful too. Another thing they suggest is improved problem solving. And actually problem solving therapy is quite a significant part of the hypnotherapy and the cognitive behavioural therapy exercises that I use. 
Because often what can happen is people with anxiety and depression can feel quite hopeless um, or feel quite disempowered. So when things go wrong in their life, they're not really sure how to do something about it. So when we're talking about improving problem solving skills um, or problem solving therapy, which is what we call it, we're talking about helping clients and helping people understand that finding problems, um, finding solutions to the problems is a really important way of managing your mental health. Because if you can get yourself out of difficult situations, it also helps build confidence, helps build your self-resilience, your self-reliance. It's a really important part of building a person who is very capable and confident in dealing with stress and anxiety in their life. Something else that I found really, really interesting that they include as one of their key ingredients for preventing and intervening is increased self-compassion. Now, this is talked about a lot. Um, The self-care, obviously, is fantastic. Being kinder to yourself, the Be Kind movement um, was really about other people, but it it applied really well to ourselves as well. Self-compassion is a really, really important thing. Because one of the things that I see very much in people in clinic is that they're really, really hard on themselves, Uh, particularly people with anxiety. They feel like they should be better. They feel like they're not good enough. Um, There's lots of really negative things that they say about themselves. And having some self-compassion is a really, really important thing. Being able to understand that people make mistakes, being able to forgive yourself for having got things wrong in the past is a really, really important part of developing a strong and happy mental um, health, really. So another good one um, on here, uh, which is about helping to prevent anxiety and the treat anxiety and depression is having an increased sense of mattering. So that's how they've worded it, but really that's a purpose, some sort of purpose in life. So having something that it is important that you do. Now, this can be really challenging for a lot of people because purpose is a very tricky thing sometimes. It can be really obvious to some people. Some people feel as though they were born to do something specific. But for others, it can be quite a vague, wishy-washy, not sure maybe this, maybe not, thing that is quite difficult to get. But we know that people are happier when they have a sense of purpose. And purpose can come from all sorts of different places. It can come from family life. If your purpose in life is to bring up your children well, that is a fantastic purpose. It can come from work life. If your purpose is to be the best at whatever it is that you would like to be, that's absolutely perfect too. It can be in your personal life. It can be a hobby. It really doesn't matter what it is, as long as it's something that feels important to you. And developing that purpose can be quite difficult and quite difficult to work out what that is. Um, But it can be done through understanding yourself, understanding your wants and your desires, understanding the things that you're good at, understanding your skills. All of these things can come together to help you develop a purpose and something that's really important to you. So another important thing that the uh, Wellcome Trust are looking into as part of a prevention and intervention for anxiety and depression um, is increased social connection. 
Now, this has probably been particularly difficult recently. Um, I'm making this from the UK. We've been in lockdown now for over 100 days. And although lockdown is relaxing, um, the, the social connection is still quite a challenging one. We're allowed to have a couple of people in our garden for a barbecue. Um, so you can kind of chat to people, but you can't really have the same social connections that you did have before and certainly with family members and stuff you can't have the same tactile um, connections as you had so no hugging and things like that. So this is a really important one uh, being able to interact socially with people is a really important part of who we are as humans in terms of our evolution and is also something that is increasingly becoming more important for mental health and this can be a little bit tricky because for people with social anxiety, for example, uh, social connection can be a source of their anxiety. But actually, if we can help them overcome that, then it can also be a source of recovery quite easily for them. So all I would say really is, I know things are tricky at the moment, but have a think about how you can make more connections. And this, again, could be anything from contacting family members a bit more often to contacting friends a bit more often, or just start a new hobby and go out and meet some different people. It really doesn't matter who you decide to socialise with. The important thing is that you find it fun um, and not too stressful. So have a think about how you can do that. Another really important aspect of preventing um, and treating anxiety and depression is increasing engagement with positive activities. Now, this sounds really fancy, but basically this is doing stuff that you enjoy. And it's really important that we do take time for ourselves and do stuff that we enjoy. And it's really easy to forget that because particularly if you have family commitments, um, really strong work commitments or lots of other things going on, it can be really difficult to prioritise that time. But it's so important in terms of building mental health wellness that you engage in things that you really enjoy doing as often as you possibly can. Ideally, as often as you do stuff you don't want to do, but I appreciate that's not always possible. Another good aspect of preventing and overcoming anxiety and depression is learning to be more hopeful. Now, this is quite an interesting one because we don't often think about things like positivity, hopefulness, confidence as being things that we can learn but they actually are. They are thinking habits that we can change. So if you have lots of negative thinking habits, then we can change them for better thinking habits, such as positivity, such as hopefulness, such as confidence, self-compassion. These are all really important things to start to recognise when you're not doing them in your mind and start to change them in your mind where you possibly can. So this is where things like mantras um, can come in useful. I know some people don't like mantras, they see them as a bit new agey, but actually the, the principles behind them are quite sound. So if you repeat a positive thought to yourself often or as often as you can, then it becomes a thinking habit. And the more you say to yourself, the more you believe yourself. So if you say more positive, more hopeful, more confident, more compassionate things to yourself, then you're going to start improving your mental health. That's not to say that you will go completely arrogant. That's not to say that we ignore our flaws. But having self-compassion is about understanding ourselves and being kind to ourselves despite all the stupid things that we all do. Because trust me, we all do them.
And then the key thing really that um, the last few to add on to this for anxiety and depression is to reduce loneliness, uh, reduce perfectionism, which again I've talked about in previous podcasts, and also to reduce repetitive negative thinking. And this is obviously a key component of hypnotherapy and cognitive behavioural therapy because we look at those negative thoughts, we look at those cognitive distortions and we work out which ones you're doing and how we're going to change them. If you want to find out which repetitive negative thoughts you're having, you can actually download a free exercise on my website. Um, So if you just head to www.anxiety2confidence.com and that's the number two, then you can download the exercise um, and it also comes with a video that you can have a look at and it'll explain how you need to do it. So because the Wellness Trust, um, or the Welcome Trust, sorry, is looking into things that aren't just to do with us personally they also have some other suggestions for preventing mental health issues which might be worth considering um, if you've got kids and one of the things that they're looking at is better urban access to green space so this idea that being outdoors is a really key aspect and having access to the outdoors is really really important And I think probably this is something that's been particularly difficult during lockdown for those people who do live in things like flats or or very urbanised areas, is having access to that outside green space where you can get fresh air is causing a lot of problems for people that I think we'll start to see further down the line. Another thing um, that they suggest for an intervention to mental health issues is engaging a bit more with theatre or arts. Now, we've seen um, in the UK particularly quite an upsurgence of things like crafting um, and old skills like knitting coming back. And it's things like this, this kind of creative aspect of our lives that they are starting to think might have a really important impact on mental health. Certainly engaging with things like theatres can be great. Um, Plays can be really uplifting, can be really interesting. Um, I particularly like going to comedy shows because everyone likes to laugh. And even live music can have quite a, a good impact on our mental health. And another thing that they suggest for intervention is the use of antidepressants. Now, I'm not a doctor, and if you have questions about medication, you should always go see your doctor. But medication does have an important role to play in recovery from mental health conditions. And it's incredibly frustrating for me when you see people stigmatised for taking medication, because there, there definitely is a strong argument and a good place for medication to be taken when it's deemed appropriate by your GP. So if you are offered medication, a lot of people tell me that they decline medication because they don't want to go on medication. But have a chat with your GP about your concerns because going on medication for a short period of time can actually be quite beneficial to recovery and give you an opportunity to go explore things like therapy for a more longer term solution as well. So I hope that gives you a few things to have a think about um, and a few extra bits and pieces that you can think about how could you change things in your life in order to make sure that your mental health has the best possible opportunity to be as good as it can be. Because I think often we think of mental health as either you have anxiety or you don't. Um, But actually, a lot of us experience anxiety at some point um, because it's actually quite a natural process. If you listen back to some of my previous podcasts, I talk about how anxiety is a natural process. 
And really, I feel like with mental health, we need to start thinking about it as more of a, a wider ranging health subject. So when we talk about physical health, for example, we're talking about food, exercise, being outdoors. We're talking about a wide range of different things that we need to do to be healthy. And I think with mental health, it has to be the same thing. It has to be this wide range of things that we do that make sure that our mental health is looked after and has the best opportunity it has to be the best it can possibly be. So I hope that gives you a few ideas for things that you can have a go at. And as I said before, if you want to find out what negative thoughts are getting in the way of your recovery, you can head to my website and download a free exercise on that. So I hope you stay well. Um, I hope that the current pandemic situation hasn't caused too much of a long term issue for you. Um, I know it has been very stressful for, for a lot of people, myself included, to be honest. Um, so if you are struggling and have mental health concerns, then do get in touch and we'll see if we can do something about them for you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Anxiety to Confidence podcast. You can find more information and my extensive blog at www.anxietytoconfidence.com. That's the number two, anxiety2confidence.com.